0: Let's cover that podcast is brought to you by CMF Group, professional liability services for over 200 healthcare professions. Visit our website at cmfgroup.com/podcast for more info.
1: Hey everybody, another episode of Let's Cover That with Will Sullivan and my co-host
0: Antonina Agruza, and today we have with us April Gillum, the head of industry at Solve. April, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So April, tell us a little bit about your background in healthcare and what led you to solve.
2: Well, if you will allow me, I'm going to start back from the very beginning. And it's because I actually grew up in urgent care. My earliest memories are actually in my mother's urgent care in the late 1980s and 1990s. And my mother was actually an urgent care pioneer. There weren't very many urgent cares actually at that time. And I grew up in uh, North Dallas, Texas. And she, after she came out of residency, was asked by a local hospital system there to start one of their very first urgent cares. And they had heard from another uh, urgent care in Ohio that had worked very well to decompress their ER to actually feed their primary care providers, new patients, and to actually help those primary care providers um, in evenings and in weekends really uh, help their patients stay out of the ER and things like that. So some of my very first memories are actually um, on nights, on the weekends, and things like that, eating Chinese food and pizza in her break room, which now is probably not super sanitary or safe. And um, observing that I never knew when my mom was going to come home at night, because you never knew if there was going to be that rush of patients that came in at eight o'clock between eight and nine, and whether she was going to get to come home at nine o'clock or at midnight. So I got to see her go through a lot of transformation through those years. I watched her go through a seven-year EHR transition. And she actually ultimately transitioned to primary care because some of many of her patients, loved her so much that they said, can't you just be my doctor all the time? They loved the access and convenience of that urgent care so much. And the trust that they built with her that they said, I want you to be my doctor. So I actually didn't get into urgent care because my mom got me a job or anything like that. I ultimately um, found my own journey. I wanted to become a physician. Um, but be- between my junior and senior year of college, I got just a spot of cancer. And so I ended up, you know, getting treated. And after college, I um, had worked through for Nordstrom, actually, all through college. And I became a manager there and fell in love with customer service and the customer journey. So that really deeply instilled um, you know, this just love of how you treat people in transactions and that it isn't just transactional. And so I went back to healthcare and I found this job with a company called Urgent Care for Kids. And they were a startup healthcare company. And they actually quickly realized that I knew more about healthcare than they did because they uh, didn't come from the world of healthcare. And so I started out in marketing with them, um, but quickly realized that I loved operations more than marketing. So I uh, was first in marketing, became their VP of marketing, but then went over to become their chief operating officer. And um, we built that company from the ground up. It was just a couple of clinics at first, and then it became uh, over 10 clinics. We went through a lot of mergers and acquisitions. Um, We actually got into telemedicine in 2017, and prior to that, that's where we actually found Solve and started to partner with Solve when they were a startup um, and found that they were one of our greatest partners in doing all the things that we wanted to do with technology because we were really tech savvy. Um, But that allowed me to really grow my own muscle with technology, and, and that's how I really discovered how much I loved healthcare technology. Um, And then when the pandemic hit right before that, we had actually gotten into in-school telemedicine with our very first school district, which was El Paso ISD. And we had started to get into more uh, school districts down in South Texas. But when the pandemic hit, um, actually, every school district in the state of Texas said, hey, we need urgent care for kids and good side health in our schools yesterday. And so we started to proliferate in all these school school districts once the pandemic hit. And then once the fall of 2020 hit, the Big 12 and the American Athletic Conference, and basically the NCAA said, we have to continue you know, college football. And so can you come help us um, do all of our COVID testing? And so then I ended up doing all the COVID testing when I was heavily pregnant in the fall of 2020, which was honestly the biggest blast of my life, but also the biggest stress of my life. And I did that until the day I went into labor on December 17th, 2020. Um, and I did make the decision after I had that baby that I wanted to be able to um, spread what I had learned through healthcare technology and what I love doing through healthcare technology to other urgent care operators and other healthcare operators across the nation. And so I did decide to go to work for Self because a lot of what I had done And what I had been able to achieve through scaling operations, through scaling business development, was in partnership with Solve. So I went to work for Solve in late March of 2021, and I have been there ever since. And it has been one of the biggest joys to me to work with urgent care operators across the country and help them scale their businesses the way that I scaled mine. Um, I am still an investor in urgent care for kids and GoodSide Health. I believe in what they're doing, Um, and it's just been a joy to be on this journey.
0: An awesome journey indeed. Thank you for sharing all those personal anecdotes. I love it. Um, Give us a quick overview of Solve, of the platform, and how users are using it and how practitioners are using it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So Solve is the number one destination where Americans can find uh, find and book same-day and next-day care. So 100 million Americans are within five mi- minutes of a bookable provider using Solve. Um, if you know apps like OpenTable or DoorDash, Solve is essentially like the open table of same day and next day, everyday health care. So in 2020, it really catapulted Solve into being the premier destination for consumers to access immediate care. Um, and 62 million visits uh, to SolveHealth.com happened in 2020 alone. Um, and so many people, maybe even you guys, Uh, have visited Solve Health and used it to find care and book care. Um, So that's really what Solve is. We also help providers um, such as myself and many other urgent care operators um, be able to scale their operations, be more streamlined, be more efficient, um, use less resources, be able to transfer data seamlessly into their EHRs. Um, And while thousands of our on-demand care locations are urgent cares, we also have have on-demand uh, consumer-driven labs, primary care, pediatric care facilities, and more—basically uh, any service care facility that is consumer-driven and on-demand can be bookable for uh, consumers on Solve.
1: Interesting, April. One of, the, one of the things, just to kind of take a step back into like the de- genesis of where you come from, is do do you see now that you're in Solve how much you know your career trajectory, and I, which is fascinating. Do you, do you find you just have such an incredible perspective from a client journey and then also growing up in it and is that when you're kind of launched into you know this arena is that like the big differentiator you're you're seeing with yourself what you bring to the table but also now you know what you continue to build and scale with solve i mean it just seems like so different than coming in from the medical field and then trying to learn what is a customer journey how does this work you know whether it's the patients whether it's the providers with the back end uh, support you know all, all these things it, it seems super new, unique in the industry
2: yeah. So we always talk about, you've probably heard about this. We always talk about silos and healthcare and how, um, you know, you have these silos within organizations, but also in the journey of, you know, silos and technology, silos with payers and, you know, different, different parts of these units. But when you have people like me who have worked on the other side of the fence and had the experience of what it's like to work on the front lines and manage all of those different vendors in those silos we can actually break down the silos. You know, We can say, hey, this is what it's like on the front lines. This is what it's like to work with the technology and the EHRs, the payers, the the lab companies. And we can actually break down those silos and we can build technology faster. We can break down the walls faster. We can actually have more fruitful experiences because healthcare is really a flywheel. And every experience builds upon the next experience. And if there's a gap, then it breaks down. And then the wheel stops. So we just need to understand that that every experience within healthcare matters. It doesn't matter just the patient and provider. Every single person matters and we need to fix every single gap.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's interesting from a leadership perspective, April. Just, you know, something that I heard, you know, since you bring up college football, I feel like this is meaningful to say, especially if you're from the Dallas area originally, is that, you know, the best leadership teams have the ability to be the coach on the field on the micro Mm -hmm. level, but also a coach in the box at the macro level, Mm -hmm. seeing everything in the aggregate, you know, looking over those silos and seeing what's happening, but also being in the silo and getting it done with the client journey. When you you look at that with your experience and then with Solve, so what what is that new frontier as you continue to scale out? Like you're saying, it's open table, you know, for Mm -hmm. for healthcare, which, which by the way is incredible, the distance, the five minutes, because anybody in healthcare who knows, you know, going through, Hey, we're going to start a new location. What's the distance? What's the transportation to people? That's a certificate of need basis that a lot of people go through Mm -hmm. with building out facilities, um, which is incredible. So what, what do you see as, as the next frontier, so to speak?
2: Yeah. So a lot of, um, a lot of discussion has been had about interoperability and it's kind of a nebulous world, word because we have EHRs today that are the same EHR company that, this, that instances of that EHR don't talk to each other. And so we have to really go deep and wide on what it means to be interoperable. Because, for instance, the CDC, which is like the highest you know, regulatory body of healthcare in America, reports out to us one week in arrears. And that's bananas to me because we should be able to report out in near to real time in an interoperable world. Healthcare is still using the fax machine. Like 1985 called and they want their fax machine back. y'all. So we have to go again, deep and wide on what it means to be interoperable because we should be able to do things in an internet age in near to real time in healthcare, like we have to fix the whole referral system and in, in like pre-authorization system in the healthcare world. Because for instance, like as a, as a cancer patient, there's a chicken and the egg thing that happens to even get a diagnosis for cancer and the testing for cancer. So that's the type of things that I would love for us to focus on. And that should be the next thing is getting truly interoperable, fixing like the things like pre-authorizations and referrals to get the testing for people to be healthy and alive long-term.
0: Absolutely. I think that um, to that point, you know, there's just so much going on in healthcare and technology is really taking off. And there's so many opportunities out there for partnerships with organizations like yours and so many of the other ones that we've had on our podcast, um, which brings me to our last question to wrap up the podcast. You know, what's next for Solve and what's next for healthcare? If you had a crystal ball, um, any great partnerships you want to share with us?
2: Yeah, um, if you allow me to, I want to get into just like a few points about the current state of urgent care to be able to inform that answer. So um, just like other acute care providers, urgent cares are dealing with a lot of volatile volumes and burnout and attrition, which has made it really hard um, to maintain consistency for them, especially in profitability to be able to take you know, next steps. So, in the urgent care space, just some basic stats. Um, A third are small operators. A third are actually independent enterprise operators with multi-units. And a third are health system-based. So, they have a little bit more financial backing. Um, They are focused on adding additional service lines and service line expansion, especially, you know, services that are not as volatile, that are not our contagious diseases that, you know, go up and down. Um, So a lot of them are focused on digital first models. So doing like digital registration, telehealth, behavioral health, um, focusing on local partnerships that are like direct to employer, school-based, JVs with hospital systems, things like that, that will make them um, just have more financial fortitude. The Urgent Care Association released a fall 2022 benchmarking report, and actually, physical therapy is on the rise. So, 18% of urgent cares are doing in house physical therapy, and what that's driven by is occupational medicine. A lot of them are doing occupational medicine that is a core function of urgent cares. Um, The majority of urgent cares who are non pediatric, about 8% of urgent cares are pediatric, um, are, you know, they're doing. That because of occupational medicine, and then about eighty-five percent of urgent cares offer radiology services, and majority of those are driven by injuries. Um, right now, you know a lot of radiology services are also driven by chest X-rays as well because of respiratory season. Um, but that is a big service line expansion piece. Is doing physical therapy, and why physical therapy matters is because it allows that patient to be retained in high lifetime value. And also it allows that patient to trust that urgent care and have repeat visits that are not just that first acute visit. Um, And then the last thing that is kind of what is next for urgent care is I'm sure that you've heard that in 2023, um, the CMS RVU rates are actually going down. By four point five percent, and this is actually pretty disappointing because, of course, we're going into a recession, um, but we still have you know costs going up, supplies that are going up, so um, providers are getting paid less. For patients that actually have higher A and M codes and are more acute, um, and so that is that is a problematic thing for urgent cares. So they are they are tr- really trying to push back against that, but it does not look like that is going to happen. The other thing that is happening is that um, the telehealth public health. Public health emergency uh, measures are expiring January 11th. They don't know if they're going to extend that by another 30 days, um, but that is something that is definitely on the horizon for urgent care operators. So with lower net revenue per visit, that causes tighter profit margins. And so it's very important for these urgent care operators to be constantly expanding their, their service lines for financial fortitude. And that's really what's next for urgent care operators.
0: Really amazing stuff, April, and really great insights into the urgent care world. We're so excited to see what happens next for Solve and for your career. So thank you so much for joining us today. And that's another episode of Let's Cover That.